Four required, two red lamb, one red snapper. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Here we are with the second episode of Beyond the Pass. I'm here with my co-host, Nate. Uh, beautiful Vantage Venues, 27 floors, sitting in the studio there doing the podcast. Um, you can find me at Kyle, double underscore McClure, and Nate at... Food, N, letter N, kicks with a Z. Oh, super gangster. <laughs> so we're excited today. We got our first guest on, like we promised. We're going to have some cool guests on. Um, for me, I, I really love this guest. I was planning on saving him for a bit later, uh, but uh, he was gracious enough to join us. He's a really good friend of mine. Me and him have sort of uh, become really good buddies over the last few years. I've got to meet him through the industry. His name is Kier Wushla. Oh, Did I just butcher your name, Kier? Absolutely. Absolutely. A little bit, yeah. Uh, yeah, Westlow. A little bit. So the good thing, the good Westlow. Yeah, like definitely he's a good friend of mine, but I definitely butchered his name. Um, so uh, has some really good experience uh, working as a chef throughout uh, the industry in a few different countries and he's uh, went from that to working as a, a sales rep for a lot of cool little companies throughout Toronto uh, so we're gonna dig into that yeah no, I'm, I'm excited uh, you know Kyle you're my boy you know mad love to you but we actually have a human being here in front of us to launch our uh, podcast so uh, super stoked and um, yeah I'm looking forward to getting to know Kira a little bit better Ironically enough, uh, he's on our NBA Fantasy League, and I had no clue that uh, this was the Kier from Kier's amazing, awesome team or whatever his title is. But uh, great to have you on board here. Uh, so let's get at it. Let's start with the bare bones of it. How did you get into the industry? Where did it all begin, my friend? Sure. Um, well, thank you guys for having me. I'm excited for this. Um, so for me, it started a family loves cooking, loves eating. So I started working in uh, kind of athletic center cafeterias as a, you know, 14, 15, 16 year old. Um, as doing that, I kind of always thought that I wanted to get into the industry, you know, wanted to own a restaurant, fine dining restaurant, that sort of thing. And, uh, and I always knew that university was kind of what you did. That's, that's where my parents led me towards. And that's where my, uh, my older siblings all did university, not, not getting into a trade. Um, so, so I went down to school in the States to Duquesne University on a swimming scholarship. Um, I'd been swimming for 18 years or something like that. Um, was taking business down in, uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, all for the hopes of, of getting a restaurant at some point. Um, wasn't a very good student and, uh, and ended, up, um, ended up stopping university and went to the culinary school there. So they do have a Lake Cordon Bleu. Um, so I just uh, lived in the same city, went to a different kind of institute and, and got into cooking. Um, almost from the first day uh, at culinary, I knew, you know, it just made, it made sense. It was all right. It was exactly what I wanted to do. You know, it just feels different. Um, so I, I lived in Pittsburgh for another two years, roughly. Um, I then moved down to Florida, worked at the, uh, the Boca Raton Resort and Club, big, huge uh, outlet, you know, multiple kitchens, I think there were 10 or 12 kitchens, um, a few different restaurants you could work at. So I was down there for about two years, a little under two years, 
but great, great experience. That's where it was first introduced to like, you know, your actual hierarchy in a kitchen. There was a chef, there was a sous chef, there were sauciers or everything like that. Um, worked with some great chefs there. Uh, then moved back home to Toronto. Um, I'd always wanted to work for Suser Lee. So I, um, I started going down to Suser every day and drop off my, my resume, uh, asked to speak to a chef, um, had my knife kit with me, probably did this for the better part of two or three weeks, may, maybe four weeks, every single day, just going down. And finally, one of the days, um, I don't know if the, the pastry chef had quit or just wasn't there, but they needed help right away. So I, I came in and from nine o'clock on, uh, started working, asked me to come back the next day and, and kind of stuck it out there for about a year and a half until he shut the restaurant down. I worked pastries. I moved over the, the line and, and actually started doing the, the sides and veg. Um, amazing, amazing time working with him. Uh, really opened some doors. And, uh, and then I had an opportunity to move to Australia and open a restaurant with a family friend. So packed my bags, flew to Australia and was there for about two years running, running a restaurant and a catering company um, in Australia and, and then had to move home again. Uh, family, family things, parents are getting old. It's a long flight, that sort of thing. Um, when I got back to Toronto, I wanted to stick with, with fine dining and, uh, and I just happened to meet a guy that was planning on opening a restaurant. Uh, he currently had a cheese store. Um, so I, I joined the cheese store. The restaurant was opening in six or tw six or eight months. Uh, that kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And, and after six or eight months of doing retail and wholesale, uh, I, I realized the hours um, were, uh, were a lot more conducive to seeing friends and watching sports at night and having a not a family at that point, but having a, a serious girlfriend. Um, so, uh, so I just kind of fell into the wholesale side of things. Um, from that, that place was called Provincial Fine Foods. Uh, from there, I went to La Ferme Black River, uh, learned stuff with those guys selling meat and cheese, uh, got on with the butcher shop. Uh, what's that? What's that? Oh, we didn't say anything. Oh, sorry. I thought I, uh, Oh, sorry. Uh, I, uh, yeah, so went went to the butcher shop, and now I'm uh, I'm currently at Levoy Row Beef Co. Right, so that's a pretty vast story, then, right? Like you got yeah some really yeah. great international experience. You even got got to go to school internationally, um, and then also like working at some, uh, especially like the old school guys around Toronto would really know the firm as like a specialty place, a place that yep. has uh, some yep. cool stuff. Um, as far as like being a chef and being a cook, um, you got to work in three different, or you've worked in three different countries, right? So yep. what differences do you yep. find between the three of them? Um, and especially being in, uh, Florida and Australia, just the climate's so different than what it would have been in Pittsburgh and in Toronto. What differences did you find in, in like the culinary approach in those places, if any at all? And how did that sort of shape the type of food you were doing it during those times? Yeah, well, I certainly noticed, um, I was surprised at how similar Canada and Australia was, uh, food-wise at least. Um, Australia obviously has, has amazing access to fresh seafood. Like we, uh, our catering kitchen was out of the back of a seafood plant, essentially. Um, 
so we would be able to get all your fresh seafood fresh every morning. Uh, but the the flavors, the the kind of stylistic approach was very very similar between the two. Um, the states uh, was was a different animal. Pittsburgh was very uh, you know it's an old like steel town. Um, portions were absolutely enormous, like significantly more than you would think. Um, but it was it was good, you know, some Eastern European influence. Uh, Florida was a very, very traditional, um, traditional kitchen structure. So it was way more French influenced. Um, we did have different outlets that had, you know, specialized in, in more Japanese cuisine, uh, some Mediterranean flavors, uh, new American is what they called it, uh, at the place that I spent most of my time. And it was just a, a good, um, you know, they had a great steak with some sides. You could do some different, uh, different specials whatever you were thinking of but it had to be fine dining looks great on a plate um so it was a little bit of everything down in florida but it was again amazing experience um couple of questions so just going back to your first sort of intro um you said you came from a university driven household right and yep. go to university take business now did your parents ultimately know that the business plan was for you to open a restaurant or do you always have that sort of on the down low uh no they they definitely knew that that's what i wanted i, I was a little bit of a um, i don't know misguided youth i suppose like i i uh dropped out of high school i rode the rocket for a few years like just subwayed i i worked jobs here and there so my parents knew that that school the traditional school route may not be for me um they, my, my mom specifically helped, helped greatly when she found out that I dropped out of school and, uh, and they weren't aware of it. Um, but she, she came with me to the, the school that had my transcript of the school I was last at and, and really kind of fought for, for me to graduate. Uh, so I think they always knew that it wasn't, that it probably wasn't what was for me. Um, but they, they were in Encouraging. They, if I wanted to go to university, I, I really wanted to go get a swimming scholarship. That was kind of the first thing I remember of, of wanting to do post-secondary education was that I wanted swimming to pay for my school. Um, and so they were, they were really encouraging of that. But when I decided to switch to culinary school, they both, they both kind of said, yeah, we thought this was where it was going to go. All right. Um, so um, on the international front, so uh, you spoke a little bit uh, about the scene in Australia and you've been in the U.S. Is there any chefs that really inspired you, whether they were in the media spotlight or just uh, a mentor that, you know, you, that really sort of helped you along the way? Like myself and, and Kyle, we, we are um, really interested in the Josh Neeland out of Australia right now. He's yep. doing all the aged fish. And uh, I told Kyle the other day, if there's some place I could stage anywhere in the world now, shows you how old school I am. I've come full circle. That'd be yeah. the place I want. I'm just always blown away by his posts. So that's sort of, and Kyle's too, is like texting me, this guy's ridiculous yeah, all the time. Fire, he's, yeah. he's, he's a mad it's scientist. A, and he's just, it's amazing what he does. And he's like, I don't know, he's not even 30 years old. So he's phenomenal. So um, any chef, like either it's a media driven international superstar or just someone that the first name that jumps into your head when I ask you that question. My, my guy was always uh, Tetsuya. Ah, another I, guy, I wanted right? to I wanted to work with him so badly and uh, and ended up not working out. I, I applied, especially once I got to Australia. Um, 
I had, uh, I'd been running the restaurant and catering for a little while and wanted to do something different. Um, so drove, drove up the coast. I went up to, uh, up to Sydney. I, I tried, um, tried getting in touch with him beforehand. I, I wanted a stage, didn't end up working out. Um, but he's still the guy that, that I really was pushing to work with. Um, you know, having gone from it, it was basically right after Suser, So it was kind of on the same, same food profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, he, but he was, Tetsuya was the guy that I wanted to work with. He was uh, kind of the, the pinnacle. And that's sort of like, I don't want to say heartbreaking, but it's super disappointing when something like that doesn't work out, right? Like I have a, oh, yeah. I have a very similar story. Um, I was supposed to actually work at Lola in Chicago, or sorry, Cleveland um, for Michael Simon. Um, I had it all worked out. Um, I'd spoken to him on the phone multiple times. He wanted it to happen. I wanted it to happen. Um, and I just couldn't get that uh, American uh, visa because they yep. basically said there's enough, there's enough cooks here. You keep yeah. your cooking in Canada. And I was like, great. And even with him trying to help me from the other side, um, it just didn't work. And it's, uh, it's pretty disappointing, right? Oh, yeah, it uh, definitely still, still when I look back on this day, and you know, it's been, I don't know, 15 years or so. And, and I still think if I did this differently, you know, he had an opening two weeks beforehand, or if I did this differently, you know, I might've been able to do it, but uh, it ultimately led me to where I am now. So, so now I just fondly remember what could have been. Um, so on the, on the side of like being in sales and being a chef, um, obviously both within the industry, um, what comparables do you find between them? Uh, what differences do you find between them and what things do you really like about them or really dislike about them, whether they being the same or different? Um, one of the, one of the things that I, I didn't expect to, uh, to love about the sales side is the, is the relationships. Um, you know, cooking, you, you're kind of part of a team. There's very much a, a competitive feel to working in a kitchen. Um, and I thought that I would definitely miss that. Your, your sales rep, you're, you're solo, you're in your car all the time, you're sitting at a computer desk. Um, but, but you really end up building these relationships where people, people move with you. Um, and, you know, if I, I move from one, one wholesale company to another, I have some chefs that just, you know, unequivocally, hey, tell me where you are, I'm coming with you because for whatever reason, they know that you're going to provide that service or the quality of meat or cheese or veg or whatever it might be. Um, they kind of have faith that you're going to going to follow through with the standards that they expect. Um, that, that was the, that's the big thing that I noticed uh, between the two. Uh, in terms of missing something, uh, I miss working on the line every day. I miss I miss creating a special or a new menu item. Um, I do a lot of the cooking at home, so so my wife and little kid get to experience some of that stuff. But it, it's not the same. Uh, and then and then getting getting slammed at night. Uh, you know, you're you're working. You're in the middle of the weeds, and and you're just getting uh, that rush, and you get through it, and it's just such a good feeling you did it with your buddies you did it with everyone that you're working with uh i i miss that very very often well you you just mentioned your you have a kid your daughter uh who's still very very young uh being a being in sales has got to help that relationship a lot though right as opposed to working in the restaurant industry very much so um 
Yeah. Like I, I, when I was cooking, I didn't think that I'd have a family. I, I didn't think that was going to be something that, that happened. Um, it's something that, you know, she's, she's two and a half years old now. Um, I was, uh, I was laid off very early into the pandemic. So I, I got to spend ba- basically the first eight months hanging outside with her, um, seeing her grow. Like we have a great relationship now because of it. Uh, and, and like, that's, that's one of the, the blessings. Uh, and then one of the things that's great about about sales in general. Like I drop her off at daycare every day on the way to work and I pick her up every day on the way back. Um, and it just, you, you're given a lot of freedom, but, but then at the same time, you, you have a lot of work to do in the after hours. Cause, cause you're on a chef scheduling, you, okay. you finish service at nine o'clock at night and you text me, I have to put that order in and you know, you just know that there, there's give and take for it. Sorry about that, man. That is definitely me. You were just, you were just saying the thing that you miss about being a chef is creating. So at, I, if me or another chef calls you at 9:45 tonight with a special client or guest or a party coming in tomorrow and they're stumped and they're looking for an idea and they want something from you right now, what's your, what's your favorite thing that you're pushing right now? Like what's that big ticket item that you stand by that you like to sell? Like what's, what's the one for you right now? Uh, I, I love flat iron steak. Um, it's a great price. Uh, it's really kind of underutilized. I think, I mean, people know flank, uh, you obviously know all your big steak cuts, you know, your strip loins and your ribeyes and that sort of stuff. Uh, but flat iron, it's a great shape. You get a, you know, six ounce, eight ounce piece. It's a nice square plates really well, uh, takes a marinade really well, easy to cook. And, and because of that price point, it's something that, uh, especially now people are looking for. Uh, so just to keep uh, on that, um, on that path to compare, uh, so you said you worked at La Ferme. I'm a big fan, you know, coming up through the ranks, La Ferme was always sort of that spot where you needed something special, or super high quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you started off there and then you worked much larger operations, uh, for example, the butcher shop. So compare the times there to compare, uh, sort of the culture, the operation size is give me a great idea on, on how actual, how different they are or similar. Yeah. Um, I mean, La Ferme was great getting into the business because it was, it was very hands-on. Like uh, I was a sales rep, but at the same point I was in every Wednesday packing orders. Um, you know, I wanted to expand the kind of Eastern side of Ontario. So out to Kingston. So I took a truck out to Kingston every Friday um, just to service those customers. So, it, it was significantly smaller, but you, I saw the product all the time. I saw that, you know, the grade A foie gras going out was 450 to 470 grams a piece. Um, I knew customer asked me, you know, what we had in stock. I had probably been down in the fridge in the last day or two and could tell you um, butcher shop or, or some of the larger companies uh, leave Oiro, like they're, you have so many people that are working on the floor, on the cutting floor, that you don't necessarily have the the ability to go down and just peruse, just look at what's there. Um, but at the same point, you have have way more support from from an office standpoint. Uh, you know, you can call up and you can you can see what the inventory is. You you might be able to have someone call 
and let you know that your customer was looking for you, couldn't get a hold of you on your cell phone or those sorts of things. Um, so it, it, it was two very, very different experiences. Uh, learned a ton from both, um, but it was, it was definitely, it was definitely neat going into a larger operation from, from someplace like La Ferme where it is way more, uh, it was game. It was more specialty meats, specialty cuts. And, and again, you're there almost every single day seeing what's there. Right. So Kingston, Shea Piggy, that's the only restaurant I know there. Shea Piggy, yeah, Casa Shea Minute, Piggy. That's the only yep. restaurant anybody knows. You know, right? <laughs> well, and, and now they have their little bakery, Penchancho, uh, yeah. which, is, which is amazing. Yeah, Shea Piggy always does amazing things. They do, yeah. I ate there once. I really enjoyed it. So I thought that's actually the perfect, because so it seems like La Ferme would have been sort of like really pushing the product knowledge because they have all these little intricate sort of obscure ingredients. And then all of a sudden, boom, over to say the butcher shop and it'd be more operations and you already have the sort of product knowledge in hand. Now it's like, how does this place run? What's the heartbeat? What are the sort of the numbers game? So sounds like a beautiful little strategy there. It, yeah. It, I, I wish that I had, uh, it was my 10 year plan on how to do it. It just kind of all happened that way and it, and it worked really well. Nice one. So with the sales rep thing, a little bit different from being a chef when you're a chef usually you're used to being the one giving the shit or um as a sales rep we all know how chefs can be right some chefs are all right guys some chefs are jerk offs they're a little bit harder to deal with uh they're they expect the world they treat their suppliers like crap um (laughs) how do you find it what how like how do you balance it like do you do you try to have different relationships for different kinds of chefs you try to streamline it, treat everybody the same way. And how much tolerance do you have for that one chef that wants to get on you, be a, be a jerk, calling you with a uh, ridiculous request? Like how, how do you balance that? <laughs> um, I try and treat everybody the same for sure. Um, because I've been on that side, I've had to, I've had to do the ordering. Um, I've worked in the kitchen. Uh, I, I get, a, get a bit of an understanding for what, what they're going through. Um, it obviously, you know, not everyone is, is treated the same or not, you know, like you and I talk fantasy sports all the time. So yeah, I, I don't mind getting, getting the late text messages or late orders or things like that. Um, you certainly do have to balance, you know, some, some people just want yeses and, and they want you to say, yeah, it can happen and you figure it out. Um, but, uh, but I mean, that, that's where having worked in a kitchen really helps out because, you know, I, I worked for some chefs that their, their go-to was yelling and screaming. And, you know, I remember getting sent to the walk-in cooler to reorganize. Uh, and I did that the entire service. Um, and so, so I'm, I'm used to getting, not used to getting yelled at, but I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, you grew up I've dealt, in the industry. yeah, I've dealt with it. I, it can roll off my back pretty easily. Um, so, so there's, a, there's definitely a balance of, of personalities but you get to know which people need, need what things and, and how you can treat people. And, you know, some guys really like to, to give it and receive it and other people don't. So, so it's definitely knowing what, how far you can push it with certain people. Um, and, and sometimes it works and you get a great relationship and other times people hate you and decide to go elsewhere. So um, keeping on the sale, like the sales side, um, if you were to meet somebody or somebody was to walk into Leboy tomorrow, that was just getting into the business, that side of the business, um, what would you tell them about it? And uh, would you recommend it to them or would you, or would you try to push them in a different direction? 
Um, I, I would certainly, I would certainly recommend it for, for, for a specific person. Um, you need to be comfortable with, with the knowledge. You need to know your beef and your chicken and your pork and your cuts. Um, you need to be confident in it as well. Like you, you have people that might've been in, you know, working in the UK where, where certain things are called different things. So you, you need to know what they're talking about, or at least how to, uh, to let them know that you'll find it out. Um, you know, there are some people that really don't like the freedom or can't deal with the freedom of being a, being a sales rep. It's a lot of, you know, you, you have to be motivated to do the work, to bring in extra sales, to get new customers. Um, it, it's certainly easy for some people just to sit back and, and hope that it all comes to you. And, and that's definitely not how it is in this business. There's, you know, only a certain number of restaurants, certain number of hotels, um, that are buying meat or cheese or vegetables. And, and if you want to do well in your job, you have to go out and find those people. Um, so, so some people don't like that aspect of it, but I, I, I love that, that I've gotten to sales. I would definitely recommend this, this line of work. If you're, if you're from the food industry, it's a great way to stay connected. Um, it's a great way to talk to chefs about what they're making. Like, you know, I come into Vantage Venues and I can see what you guys are making. I, I ask you questions. I can see what sauces are going on and what, you know, I can tell from your order what you're you're breaking down that day. Um, so you can really stay connected with the industry from a from a sales side. Um, what was the food scene like in Pittsburgh? I mean, you briefly touched on it. I'm just because my actually, ironically enough, my mentor, probably the biggest most influential person in my career ever is from Pittsburgh and uh, I'm just trying to envision it. I mean, I I think Eastern European, I think Jewish, I think Mm -hmm. like, give me some, like, is there a bomb Japanese spot there? That's like got beautiful fare. I mean, this, I'm absolutely clueless on what goes on in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, it's been a long time since I've been back. Uh, I know the food scene has changed changed quite a bit um the the big thing when i was there kind of the thing that they're they're most known for i suppose would be um there's a sandwich place called primani brothers yes and and In their fact, big i've seen that place, yep. that place looks and their big really thing good. is they they would make sandwiches for the steel workers way back when and instead of having a sandwich and you know your salad on the side and your french fries on the side they just smashed it all into the sandwich for you so you'd get your sandwich with a huge handful of fries and a huge handful of coleslaw and like you could barely fit your mouth around it. Um, but, but that's what they were known for. And that was kind of a, a staple everyone that went, that's what you did. Um, but that being said, there were, there was a nice, like a fine, um, like a French restaurant at the top of the hill. That was where, you know, you took your, your parents came to visit and they were buying, that's where you went. Um, there was a like Teppanaki place. There, there were a couple things, but it was, it was very new. I, I don't even, I don't even recall if there was a sushi place when I, when I lived there. Um, but a lot of, a lot of Greek food, uh, as I said, pierogies everywhere. Like every place had their own pierogi, but Permani brothers, the sandwich place was definitely, if you went to Pittsburgh, that was the food you got. Was it good though? It was. If you knew what to order, it was. I, I don't remember what the order was. Um, I'm sure all my Pittsburgh friends would be laughing at me about it. But uh, there were a couple ones that were, it worked really well. There were other ones that were just monstrosities that, you know, you get your your buddies that come to visit. Oh, yeah, you know, you get that 
one and it would just it shocked you it was you know instagram worthy back then right because you get these things hyped up i remember when i went to gino's in philadelphia and i hyped myself up so much for it i'm like oh my god i hope i didn't hype myself up too much and it, it was it was actually in the nba all-star weekend 2002 so i literally waited like close to two oh. hours for it <laughs> mm-hmm. but it was good and i could not say i've eaten a gino so it's uh we don't want to overhype these things you know but uh just yeah disappoint yourself but yeah I, I i wouldn't need to have another permani sandwich it, it was good but it was definitely college food yeah uh, that, the yeah hype, the hype kills it a little bit though right like what you were just saying like uh when i was in charleston um my big bucket list was to hit up husk was to go to sean brock's place and my meal there was amazing and i have nothing bad to say about it but it was probably third or fourth on the list of places that i hit in charleston that week um and wow. I, part of it was is that i just had it in my head about how like how over the top how amazing and it was really good and i could never say anything bad about it and sean brock's my guy as i said on the first pod mm-hmm. um but man like i could go to this little hole in the wall called hominy grill which is just like a little home cut and the food was just outstanding. It's like, and I didn't have any expectation. I didn't hype myself up and the food was so, so fucking good. Right. Right. So it's like, sometimes the hype hurts. Can we swear on this? Right? Oh I'm, yeah. I've been pulling we're punches we're and you're just fucking boys. talking like you're at the bingo hall right now. Well, so. I'm trying, I'm keeping it down. I'm keeping it just a couple. <laughs> I mean, I want to keep it real. So, okay. I, I noted. <laughs> that, that's good okay, behavior, so Kyle. This isn't even, this isn't even, it's just sort of sparked. It's so give me your like dream meal. Like Kyle said, his top three, whatever, like throw, what's that? that dish that meal that was thrown in front of you and it doesn't have to be fluffy at all i just like what's when i say what's the what's the most memorable eating experience you've ever had drop it on me um there's two that stand out um if i can both yeah um so we were in san francisco uh seven or eight years six or seven years ago now and uh and ate at state bird provision and it was just it was combination of you know we're sitting right at the uh basically the pass like they didn't have a, a pass per se but we we could see the chefs working um they were really they were really personal like chatting with people there were five or six people cooking but one of the things they did was they had uh almost like a like a dim sum cart that came around and it was off menu stuff but they might have eight or 10 different dishes and you could grab whatever you wanted. And we ended up spending, I don't know, four or five hours eating and just drinking. And the night ended up, uh, we were there till closing. And I, I ran down the street and got a case of beer for the guys just cause it was so, it was such an experience. Um, and, and that is a recent one that sticks out. Uh, my first real food, uh, memory that sticks in was, uh, my family went to Portugal and we were in the south of Portugal, right on the coast, and we had barnacles to eat. And I'd never had barnacles, didn't know you could eat them. And that was, that's the first thing that kind of stands out to me. And it led me, like, I love eating weird food. I, there's almost nothing I'll say no to when it comes to food. And, and I, I'm sure that's where it came from. It was just this bowl of barnacles basically done as like steamers that were so delicious on the coast family vacation like just the perfect setting well that's interesting because i think um food's one thing but the total package sort of enhances it from 
you know, being there for five hours at the, in San Francisco, buying beers for people with your family in Portugal, right? I think it goes far beyond food because maybe Kyle's food experiences, myself, uh, it goes far beyond the food. I mean, the food is the star, but it's sort of the, uh, the surroundings that sort of really put it to the top there for sure. Yeah, it definitely is. Even, even the people you're with, the time you're having, all that stuff can contribute to how how much you remember the food, whether it be good or bad. Or, right? or how yep. impromptu it could be as well when you least expect yeah. it, right? Yep. Those are some of my top three or four are just like off the wall, random experiences that my wife had to go to the washroom on a scooter trip around Kosamui. And we pulled off at this gas station slash convenience store slash someone's house. And there was something brewing in the back. And uh, that's that right there, that the, the, the curry, green curry pork neck and everything yeah. that was just so random. I'll never forget that for the rest of my life. And uh, we, we had almost the exact same experience on Kosamui for our honeymoon uh, five years ago. So we we're just walking around town and it started to rain. So we ducked into somebody's house and they happened to be cooking um and there was a table out front we didn't know it was a restaurant may, may not have been a restaurant and we just had the most amazing meal um just randomly on the side of the street um all right i think i got a couple non uh industry is this our rando question segment uh, yeah this yeah. is gonna is be like like the start of our city basketball team question. uh yeah so this is gonna be the start of our our random question segment. We'll get, we'll get some uh, sound effects in on the next one. So yeah. you missed that on that here. Um, so all three of us, it's already been established. We like sports basketball. It seems to be one that all three of us have in common. Uh, I know me and you are both Packers fans. Nate's a Raiders fan. So we got, we got some sports stuff, but I also know one thing the three of us like is we're all sort of hip hop heads. We all like, uh, all, all like that sort of stuff. So, in your opinion, who is the greatest hip hop group of all time? Group? Group, yeah. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm feeling the group question. Well, you can't, okay, hold on. The Wu, is, but it's, uh, he's gonna, like, the Wu Tang Clan's not a group, though, right? I mean, I consider them a group. Really? I would consider them a group. Like, I think that if you listen to the intro of this podcast, you could un- figure out who my favorite hip hop is. Well, I would say time. they are yeah. a group, but I've had this discussion and sorry to jump all over here, but uh, no, I've no. had not only just with friends but i've seen it all over uh media outlets and a lot of people say the wu-tang is not a group they're hmm. just a bunch of mega stars assembled uh you know at the uh, 11th hour but anyway sorry go ahead okay the wu-tang please i uh, don't i, well, I will hold it against you no no that that's that's the that's who i grew up listening to yeah. um that w- that was the the first uh first group that i i loved um i also was a, a big lost boys fan um and I mean, the, the Roots has, it's your intro, but has so many just awesome albums. Uh, but I, I would say Wu-Tang is a group and they they were definitely my my first, you know, hip hop love. Lost Boys, interesting. That's a, I mean, great band from uh, mid nineties, I guess. Yeah. Um, Mr. Cheeks, right? Mr. Cheeks, yeah. yeah. I, the song Renee, no idea why, but it's still one of my favorite songs. Uh, yeah, they were they were dope lifestyles of the rich and famous shameless yep. right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that's them all right well you're up buddy who's who's yours who do you got group yeah group well because i'm a lot older than you guys i'm i would say like the roots which they are there but i don't know epmd is like buried in my soul for sure yeah and then before then 
uh, Houdini, actually. Like, if oh. someone's like, who's your favorite early 80s? I put Houdini over Run DMC in a heartbeat. That's uh, oh, just wow. me personally. Nice. Because I just loved Houdini. The synthesizers, the, so the breakdancing. I like the, the Jalil that was there, the, one of the rappers there. I don't know. It was just when I heard uh, Miss Magic's Wand and Freaks Come Out at Night and when I was a 10, 11, 12, and I was like pretending I could break dance. I mean, that, those two for sure. And then, of course, like I can't argue Roots and Wu Tang. And, but yeah, those are Houdini and EPMD. And then it would probably, okay, let's say Wu Tang's a group. I got to go with them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got to, for me, it's like I got to put, um, as I said, like in the start of our show, and I know you're a Roots fan. So that was part of the reason yeah. for, the, for the Roots drop at yeah. the beginning of the show. Um, and I just think it's like the perfect little, but uh, the roots are definitely would be in my conversation. Um, I think Black Thought is arguably, you're going to, I think Black Thought's arguably one of the best rappers. I can't argue of all that. Times. I can't argue that. Like when people want to talk about uh, these lyrical guys and everybody always wants to scream Eminem for the rooftops, it's like for my money, Black Thought is probably one of the, the best lyricists, best rappers of all time. Maybe he doesn't make uh, solely, solely, he maybe doesn't make the best albums, but. If you're talking about some guy just rapping, I think he's one of the best rappers. And I think you can't have a, a conversation about rap groups without at least just mentioning the name Outcast. So those would yeah. probably be yep. Uh, yep. my two. Um, I got one more silly one for you. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned that you went to scholarship for swimming. I also uh, swam a little bit uh, when I was younger and I, uh, I lifeguarded for a few years and did that whole thing. The question is, is you think you could beat me in a swimming brace? And how badly do you think I'd beat you? Uh, I 100% could beat you in a swimming race. Um, it, it would it would be bad. It would be, it would be embarrassing. I, I imagine it probably would be especially <laughs> jumping because I had a cramp. And, well, yeah, I, I, I didn't know you swam, Kyle. I thought the extent of your swimming would be like when you're red naked out in the fishing boat and that you, is, that you is tip out, reaching for your beer, and then it's just like yeah. that's, that's that's how you go. It's okay. a good thing he has that speedo on underneath, though. Oh, gosh. I like the I like the confidence though here. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have to have a few and go swim the Ottawa Saga and see. That's a different the, swimming. All right, sounds good to me. Um, uh, I don't think. I mean, it's it's. I think this is the perfect sort of first episode for us. I think we could go on for hours and hours. I think our first meeting there was just, you know, we're all in the same. I mean, Kyle knows you really well. I think we're all cut mm -hmm. from the same loin, if you will. And yep. uh, it's been great. And, and you know, it's you've done the industry, I, you know, I because I, I teach cooking for a living and, and students are like, hey, chef, you know, what do what am I going to be from 20 years? And I said, well, you know, you grind it out until you get in worn out or you discover something new. And I said, here are your options. You either open your own restaurant. Right. And then find someone you're confident in. And you can just step back and, and, and run it from the background and let the, the young person sort of shine. Or you can get into teaching or you get into food sales, right? Yep. And I, I think um, those are really, because you can't just bang. You, we've, all seen, we've all seen those old guys on the line, you know, late 30s, early 40s, just hating their entire existence. And you can't, or even if you're trying to work on the line, you own your own restaurant and, and this, it wears you out after a while. So um, kudos to you for discovering this at, at pre-burnout of, of the restaurant yeah. industry. Uh, you seem happy, you seem inspired. Um, family's really important. We're all, we're all dads here and, and we know the importance of that. So uh, 
I just want to say good on you, man. And pleasure to get to know Thank you over you. the past uh, week, I guess. And now I can talk shit to you on the on the uh, NBA fantasy lines now that I know who you are. Yeah. So that's exciting. You, you, you can send me shitty trades like Kyle does. Oh, don't even get me started on this guy. Um, <laughs> He's so, ruthless. Hey, so uh, I want to ask one more industry question okay. before we go. You guys ready for one yeah. more? And this yeah. is for all of us who can answer it. Okay. Uh, pandemic ends tomorrow. All the rules are restricted all the restrictions are gone first toronto spot you're going to to eat what's the place you've been waiting to go to what's the spot here don't say somebody that you're a sales rep for just because you're trying to butter them up no so don't say uh, vantage venues yeah don't say vantage <laughs> venues um i uh i would probably have to say dilo um I, lo- I love the guys there i don't i don't supply them but it's the kind of food that i absolutely love it's what i i yeah it, it's great food it's a great atmosphere like we were saying earlier about how um different things can make the meal for you uh that's an, another place the food's amazing but the drinks are great the service is is spot on um and they're just a, a really good group of people in the back well i'm um, actually you've uh been sending me the beast bodega stuff. Oh, that was my answer. You. <laughs> oh, dude. I want to go someplace I never, I mean, I've got my ramen joints and a couple other places that I like to go to, but uh, the stuff that you've been sending me uh, about beast bodega, like that chicken heart. Um, oh, the chicken hearts and hummus, that dish from last uh, week. Uh, I think something could, should be said. Like, I know he's a pretty popular chef, uh, maybe not as popular as he should be, but uh, Scott Vivian's his name, right? Yeah, uh, from following him and just seeing his stuff, that guy looks like an absolute assassin. Uh, if I could look at somebody's food and sort of parallel it towards like the type of style and food that I try to do, it's like that guy's pretty inspirational. So I, I'm hoping to go. I know months ago when we thought COVID wasn't going to last very long, me and you were going to go right here for lunch. We were talking yep. about it. Yep. So well, that uh, Nate Tasty guy's pretty legit. I like his name anyway. So he's from Home of the Brave. I had a great meal there several mm-hmm. years ago, and now he's teamed up with them. And he's a killer, man. He's he's yeah. a ginger, uh, ginger ninja, if you will. He's very good. So I like the, I can see the synergy uh, really going some serious places. And you know they've simplified their operation to COVID friendly stuff, and I think that's going to carry them in the future. And that's a template for a lot of people are going to be following suit. That's for sure. A really cool yeah. thing that Nate guy's doing, if you are following them, is he's taking old uh, Vivian dishes from the beginning of Beast and like remixing them to his own. I like that. So taking old di- and they and then so they're showing pictures of both, and both look so fire. Both guys definitely definitely killers for sure. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so, what do you have to plug for us today, Kiri? Yeah. You have any plugs yeah. or just uh, just happy to be here? Or- uh, ha- happy to be here, but definitely, uh, definitely leave Um, you know, re- really good beef, really good chicken. Um, obviously the sales reps are amazing there. Uh, and no, just to support, support all the restaurants that you love so that they're back, you know, whenever we're through this stuff. Awesome, man. Well, I was a pleasure talking to you, me and you kind of talk all the time. So mm-hmm. the only difference is that Nate's here and we're recording it, but, uh, yeah. As awesome to have you on, man. I think you got a cool story. Um, and an important thing that Nate said is, is I find that not to offend any uh, old chefs that are sales reps now, but you know, a lot of the time it ends up being guys that have burnt out that have gone into the, to that industry. And it seems like you went in, in your prime and you, uh, you did it the right way. And you know, that's, uh, that's awesome, yep. man. Kudos. Thank and, you. And, I, yeah, and, you nice. can, and I can tell dealing with you on a, on a regular basis that you take that same kitchen mentality uh, into your work as much as you try and as much as uh, 
you take the initiative to do things and make uh, my life easier. So uh, for anybody out there that uh, <laughs> is looking to become a sales rep, uh, honestly, uh, here's the best one that I've had. And I've had a lot of sales reps for a lot of years. So thanks a lot. I, pre I appreciate it. De definitely appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. All right, Kier, thanks so much, brother. Well, I think that's a wrap for us here at uh, Beyond the Pass. I'm pumped. I mean, we got bodies in these in these seats now, aside from my, um, you and me. But uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, and uh, peace out. <laughs>